One of the things that will drive a football fan absolutely crazy is a delay of game penalty. You have the entire team huddled up together behind the line of scrimmage. The quarterback will look over to the sideline to get the play call from the offensive coordinator. And as he receives the play call, he huddles the team together. He gives them the instructions about the play that they are supposed to go run. They break the huddle with a clap, and they all rush to the line of scrimmage and get set for the play. And sometimes when the quarterback gets there behind the center and he looks out at the defense that's in front of him, it causes him to realize that maybe this play needs to be adjusted or shifted in some way because of what he sees in front of him. And so he'll start making audibles there from the line of scrimmage. Peyton Manning used to always yell, Omaha, Omaha, to let him know that he was going to make a change there. Meanwhile, the, the play clock is, is going down while all this is happening. They only have so much time to get the playoff. And so when you're watching on TV as a fan, you can see the clock there in the corner of the screen. Ten, nine, eight, seven. And you start to sort of yell at the TV. It's like, come on, guys, get the playoff. Six, five, four. And you're like, don't just stand there. Hike the ball. And then it's three, two, one, and then the yellow flags come out, the whistle blows, it's a delay of game. And this is frustrating because they had the play. They simply didn't execute it. They stood still while time elapsed. We find the disciples in a similar situation in our passage this morning. It's been 40 days since Jesus' resurrection. He's now going to go to be with the Father, and he's given them instructions about what they're supposed to do. We call it the Great Commission. And so the disciples have their play, but in our passage, we find them standing around, gazing into the sky instead of executing the play. And what you want to say here to them is, don't just stand there. If you have your Bibles with me this morning, I'd ask that you would turn to the book of Acts, chapter 1. Today we're going to study verses 9 through 11. The Word of God says, After he had said this, he was taken up as they were watching, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, they were gazing into heaven, and suddenly two men in white clothes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, Why do you stand looking up into heaven? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come in the same way that you have seen him going into heaven. Today as we look at this passage of scripture, we're going to be continuing our series called On the Mountains as we are looking at various mountaintop experiences in the life and ministry of Jesus, these significant moments in his life. And today we come to the Mount of Ascension, a very significant moment, the last moment of Jesus' time here on the earth. And as we look at this passage, there are a couple things that I want us to to take note of this morning in our lives. And the first is this, we see here movement in ministry, movement in ministry. This here is the day that all of the disciples had been dreading. 
But this day has finally arrived. Jesus is now leaving them. He had prepared them for this day. In John chapter 14 and verse 2, he says, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. After his resurrection, he had been with them for for 40 days. And earlier in this chapter, in Acts 1 verse 3, it says, After he had suffered, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And so there was this, this period of time that even after Jesus' resurrection, that he was with the disciples. But now he's going to go be with the Father. And the disciples will no longer have Jesus physically present with them. He's been raised from the dead. He's he's glorified and he's exalted to the highest place at the right hand of the Father. This passage here is a majestic scene. You can imagine the glorified Christ being raised up into the sky and disappearing into the clouds as he goes off to be with the Father. But here are the disciples wondering what's going to be now that Jesus is gone. And it can be scary the first time that you're on your own. I can remember when I was 16, my mom and dad bought me a car that was a, a manual transmission. And uh, so I was learning how to drive this, this stick shift, and I would put around the neighborhood, and, and, and I was grinding all the gears out and trying to figure out how to hit the clutch at the right time and do all these sort of things. And then uh, the day came that I was going to go drive through uh, the town where I grew up in, in Brandon, Florida, and the main drag through town is Highway 60. It's an eight-lane highway uh, that's just a, a, a massive amount of cars and traffic and stopping and going and all this. And if you're not very comfortable driving a stick shift, this is a recipe for disaster. And so I was on this road and I came to uh, a stoplight and I was in the left turn lane getting ready to turn left. And as uh, the light turned green, I, I slipped it out into first gear, and I started out into the middle of the intersection, and then when I was getting ready to move it down into second gear, I stalled out, and clunk, 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 right there in the middle of the intersection. And this was a terrible moment. And I was all alone. I started sort of becoming anxious, trying to get it going again. And, and, and that's probably about how these disciples felt at this moment. They had been with Jesus all these three years. If something ever went wrong, Jesus was there. If they ever had a question, Jesus was there. But now he's not going to be any longer. He's told them that they have to go and to do this work through the power of the Holy Spirit. And one of the remarks that I've heard from different pastors recently is that they have learned that many of their church members don't know how to do church without the building. They don't know how to walk out to the end of their driveway and live this out. That's what our Beyond the Building series was, was all about. It was about equipping us as the church to be the church seven days a week outside beyond the building. But now here in this passage, we see that Jesus is gone. In verse 10, it says, while he was going, they were gazing into heaven. 
Suddenly two men in white clothes stood by them. They said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? And so you get the the picture here. The disciples are standing there with their heads toward the heavens. Their mouths are probably wide open. (laughs) And they're staring and staring and staring. I mean, this is a majestic scene. This is something that you couldn't describe or even imagine as Jesus is going up into heaven. And they're so fixated upon Jesus' ascension that they didn't even notice the two angels who appeared before them. Now, when you look at angel appearances throughout many other places in the scriptures, they're always uh, referenced with terms like they were terrified or they were so afraid when they saw these angels that came before them. But these disciples were so fixated that they didn't even notice these angels that had appeared before them. And the angels have a question for the disciples. Why are you standing there staring? Why are you gazing into the sky? The implication here is that they ought not to have been doing that, that there's something else that they should be doing. So what is it that they should be doing? The disciples already knew what to do. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 4, just a few verses up in our passage, it says that he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise. For the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, he says then that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so, what the disciples should be doing is going, waiting for the Holy Spirit to come because they are unable to do this task without Him. And then they're going to go and spread the gospel beginning where they were in Jerusalem, to Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And so, in other words, don't just stand there. You know what you're supposed to do. I remember my very first position as a a senior pastor. I was living in Kentucky while I was in seminary, and Catherine and I I had served in a church in Alabama for three years. I was a youth pastor, but here we are now living in Kentucky, and, and, and I'm, I'm the senior pastor of this church. I'd studied in seminary for, for many years, but all of a sudden, I was responsible before God for the spiritual condition of, of my flock. And this was a scary proposition. I felt the weight of that responsibility of all of the, the, the families and the, 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 the spiritual condition of all the people that were under my care as their shepherd. And as I prayed about this, I remember the Holy Spirit comforting me and saying, you know what you're supposed to do. Just go and do it. I'm with you. I will empower you. Wallace Memorial Baptist Church finds itself in a position that it's never been in before. Nothing like what's going on right now has ever happened in our lifetimes. We as a staff have been working on a reopening plan, and we're going to share that with you. But my greater concern is another project that we've been working on called How Then Shall We Live? How will our church function differently after this is over. 
Because the world that's going to emerge post-pandemic will not look like the one pre-pandemic. Our community, our nation, even the world will be different after this. And we're going to have to adapt to reach people with the gospel just like the church has had to do throughout her entire history. And we can sit back and we can stare at the sky and wish things were the same way that they were before and we can become a museum of the past or we can be a movement that storms our community and the world with the good news that Jesus loves them and died to save them. And so today, I want to remind you that you know what we're supposed to be doing. Our mission as a church is very simple. Be disciples, make disciples. I didn't make it up. It's straight out of the word of God. It's simply the great commandment and the great commission. And this is God's mission for us. So don't just stand there gazing into the sky. God has been doing exciting work in this congregation. People are being saved. People are being baptized. The gospel is being shared. People are growing in their walk with God. And the worst thing that we could do is just stop and stand there. Jesus didn't tell the disciples to take five until he came back. He gave them a mission and he told them to go do it. There was movement in ministry. It wasn't time to hit pause. And it's not time for Wallace Memorial Baptist Church to hit pause either. We have to continue the movement in ministry. The second thing that we see in our passage this morning is motivation for ministry. The angels give the disciples motivation here. In verse 11, they say, This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come in the same way that you have seen him going into heaven. So what's their message to the disciples? Stop staring at the sky. Don't just stand there. Jesus is going to come back. He has fulfilled all the law, all the prophets, all the sacrifices. He's atoned for our death as our substitute on the cross. He was raised from the dead as the conqueror of death and of hell. He's ascended now to the Father, but he will come again in bodily form. And he'll come riding on the clouds with the trumpets of the angels announcing his arrival. And the eastern skies will split open as he comes to return for his church. And we will be raised up and given glorified bodies just like Christ. He here is the first fruit among many brethren. And so this ascension is our future hope as the church. So you better be ready, the angels say. Right now you're standing there in awe because he's left. You're thinking about what it's going to be like after he's gone. And the disciples probably didn't fully comprehend what it would mean to have the Holy Spirit yet. They didn't realize that Jesus would continue to to work in them and through them by his spirit. In retrospect, as Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts, 
He realized that Jesus would keep working through them. In fact, in Acts 1, verses 1 and 2, he says, I wrote the first narrative, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up. And Luke there is referring to his first work, his, his gospel. And he says that book was all about what Jesus began to do and to teach until he was taken up. And the implication is that this work, the, the Acts of the Apostles, is about all that Jesus would continue to do through them. And so he says here, you have much work to do. Why? Because Jesus is going to come back again. And Jesus had told the disciples many times that he would return one day for his church. In John 14, verse 3, he says, If I go away and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and take you to myself, so that where I am, you may be also. In Matthew chapter 24, in verse 29, the Bible says, Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not shed its light, the stars will fall from the sky, the powers of the heavens will be shaken, and then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all the peoples of the earth will mourn, and they'll see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and with great glory, and he'll send out his angels with a loud trumpet, and they'll gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the sky to the other. As you look at the book of Revelation, it details the return of Jesus and the fulfillment of the kingdom of God. But until that day comes, the church must be busy about the Father's business. We have plenty of motivation for ministry. First of all, it's, it's a matter of our obedience. Jesus has given us a command, a clear command in the Great Commission, and we mustn't ignore it. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus tells a parable about the ten virgins there in verse 1. He says, at that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the groom. Five of them were foolish, five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they didn't take oil with them. But the wise ones took oil in their flask with their lamps. And when the groom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. In the middle of the night, there was a shout, here's the groom, come out to meet him. And all the virgins got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise ones, give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. The wise ones answered, no, there won't be enough for us and for you, so go instead to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. And when they had gone to buy some, the groom arrived. Those who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the rest of the virgins came and said, Master, Master, open up for us. And he replied, Truly I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, here's the summation, Therefore, be alert, because you don't know either the day or the hour. See, this parable reveals to us that we have to be prepared for his return. We have to be working hard for the kingdom until he comes. The Great Commission is not advanced Christianity. It's basic Christianity. This is 101 courses. It's a very clear command from Christ for his church. Jesus' words could not be misunderstood. The church is to take the gospel to the lost all over the world. And anything less than that is disobedience. 
Anything less than that is insubordination. But unfortunately, it seems that the church has sort of taken an attitude of, while the cat's away, the mice will play. We've grown drowsy. We've fallen asleep like the women in this parable. But we can't take the Lord's delay as a sign that he isn't coming because there's not one promise in this book that hasn't come to pass. And this promise from our Lord is no different. He will come again, and we must be ready. We can't stand around just gazing into the sky. He's going to come again in the same way that we've seen him going into heaven. And so we have to be obedient. But second, as far as motivation goes, there's, there's a lost world that needs this good news. We can't stand here staring into the sky while the world dies and goes to hell. We can't hit pause in ministry while the world remains in their sin. The first time that Jesus came, it was to deal with sin. But the second time that he comes, it's going to be to deal with sinners as a judge. In Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 28, the Bible says, Also Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. There are billions of people the world over who need to hear the good news that Jesus loves them and that he's died and rose again to save them that they can be forgiven of their sins. And this ought to motivate us as the church to get to work. Because without this good news, people will die in their sin. They will be punished eternally in hell. David Platt says that every saved person this side of heaven owes the gospel to every lost person this side of hell. Now you and I, are certainly glad that the gospel has made it to us. At times, we just don't seem too concerned that it gets anywhere else past us. This pandemic has has stirred in my heart an even greater passion to spread the good news. All around, I see people who are hurting, who are searching for answers, who are hopeless. And we have the good news that Jesus saves. And so I desire for our church to be laser focused on our mission like never before because that's what really matters. So Wallace, we have motivation for ministry. We can't just sit idly by. We can't say, Wait until the pandemic is over. We have to be obedient to what God has called us to do. We can't allow lost people to remain lost when we have the good news. Each week, we come together as a congregation and huddle together, even if it's online at this time. And we receive the play from the Lord. And he teaches us, in his word, what we're supposed to be, what we're supposed to do, and at the end of each service, we break the huddle with a clap, but we have to go out and execute the play. We can't get a delay of game. We can't just stand there. 
So Christians this morning, we've been challenged to get up and go, to be about the Father's business, to not just stand there. We have to keep moving in ministry. We have to be motivated to continue in the work. So maybe this morning you want to spend some time in prayer, praying for our church during this time, that we won't hit pause on the good work that God is doing and wants to do through us. There may be some here today who need to trust in Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life. Jesus told them that he was sending them out to Jerusalem, to Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. The angel said, why are you just standing there? Jesus is going to return again. And so there's this urgent message that they were to proclaim and that I want to proclaim to you today. And that is that God loves you. That he sent his only begotten son, Jesus, to this earth to die on the cross to pay the price for your sins and for my sins. That he died in our place and was placed in a grave. But on the third day, he rose from the dead. And when he did, he proved that he was the Messiah. He proved that he is the conqueror of death and of hell and of sin for all who would trust in him by faith to forgive them. And that's the decision that you have to make this morning. As this gospel is shared with you, you have to receive it into your heart. You have to put your faith in who Jesus is and what he did for you. The Bible says that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved if you call on him to forgive you of your sins, that he'll do it. And so this morning... What's stopping you from making this decision in your heart? If this is a decision that you need to make today, I want to encourage you to grab your phone and text the word DECIDE to the number 865-234-3241. Let us know that this is something that you want to do or that you're thinking about in your heart. And we want to talk with you about this decision and encourage you in what it means to know Jesus and to follow him as the Savior and Lord of your life. But however the Lord is speaking to our hearts today, now is the time for us to be doers of this word and not just hearers only. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this time of worship, for this time in your word. Lord, I pray that as a church, Lord, that we wouldn't just stand there gazing into the sky. But, Lord, we would continue moving forward in ministry, that we would be motivated by the fact that you're coming again and that we have to be busy about our Father's business. And so, Lord, I pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, that you would use us in mighty ways for your kingdom. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I'm going to have to um, do these announcements.